You've heard of Huntley and Brinkley, McNeil and Lehrer, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob and Ray. Now here's Mishigas and Malarkey. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Good. How you doing? Okay, this is season four, episode eight, also known as episode 69, and uh, a lot has happened in the last week or two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've had a pretty busy week. Have you had a busy week? Are you out demonstrating and everything? or uh... What would I be demonstrating for? I don't know. You're not out there with your Israeli flag? and. Uh... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I don't pay attention to any of this. It's a PSYOP. To distract from Ukraine. Oh, okay. Well, the, I there's nothing I can say that would disprove that. So, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I think I mean it's very sad what's happening in you know Israel and Gaza, uh, and I think we've said that there's nothing we can really do about it. But uh, uh, as far as what's going on here in the United States, it's like uh, remember all the people who were freaking out in big box stores and on airplanes so now they're taking freaking out taking down kidnapped children posters and other stuff all right well that's that's a uh that's a rational way to handle the uh the uh, i hope so i mean of the course, trauma you know uh you got people telling me i'm like uh you know uh denying and i'm uh, naive and all the rest of that I would hate for that to turn out to be true, but something tells me that uh, uh, Putin basically, you know, promoted Hamas to doing this atrocity on the 7th. And of course, they all knew that uh, with Netanyahu in charge, the Israelis would overreact. And now, you know, it's a it's a bigger mess. Right. I mean, that's true. I mean, there's no escaping that. I mean, the other thing is, I I think part of it is the immediacy of what's happening. I mean, we didn't have social media like this during other wars. Right. So, you know, a lot of these people who are uh, freaked out in America, I, you know, I think they've, they've just never seen a war before. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of them are just shocked at what's going on because sure. they just, you know, have no idea this is what happens. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you had people with, uh, camera phones or smartphones running around Germany when the eighth air force was bombing the hell out of it, you would have had scenes like that, but it all seems so distant. We just see black and white photos afterwards. And you know, that's by the way, that's it. I, I came across uh, what was your dad involved in Normandy? He was in the ninth air force. Yeah. He was a crewman on a C 47. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, and uh, my, and my, it's, it's Veterans Day. Uh, so right. Uh, yeah. His uh, his older brother landed on D-Day. Wow. And then was later wounded in Normandy. Oof. And um, then uh, my mother had a brother who was in the Navy. He was in one of the uh, landing craft or, well, actually one of the boats offshore uh, in Normandy. But he, he did... Uh, uh, you know, wind up setting foot in Normandy briefly, but it, it was to like unload stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I had uh, uh, three D-Day veterans, you know, closely related wow. to me. And then some other ones too, that I used to see all the time as a kid. So, uh, 
know, and what, what would they all be saying about what's going on here in the U.S. today? Uh, you know, I've been thinking about that. A, a, a week ago would have been my father's 100th birthday, so mm -hmm. I was thinking about him naturally. And mm -hmm. uh, he, he used to get absolutely furious when he would see neo-Nazis on TV or mm -hmm. on the news, whether it was in Germany or here. Mm -hmm. And uh, but he he would get nuts when people were Holocaust deniers or anything like that. Mm -hmm. he, uh, you know, so yeah, he'd be uh, he'd be pretty upset. Mm -hmm. You know, it's right. it's like remember there was a guy at the Capitol on January sixth who was wearing a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. Yep. And then when they um, I might have mentioned this before when they picked the guy up, people tipped off the FBI and they said, oh yeah, we see that guy around our town all the time. Mm -hmm. He always wears that sweatshirt. And I was thinking, you know, like if, if guys like my old man or my uncle Eugene were like, you know, walking around like, like, I mean, I, I know at least one of my uncles, if he ever saw a guy in a camp Auschwitz t-shirt would have just knocked him on his ass. So I mean, that would have been the end of it, you know? And, and I think now that those guys are gone, you know, a lot of this stuff is coming back because they're, you know, and these young people, they you know, they think it's all, you know, whatever they think. I mean, they don't understand it. Cosplay, cosplay. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my advice is just to leave those folks to law enforcement and mental health professionals. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Although if uh, my mother's brother had seen a guy walking around in a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt, it would have been. It would have been lights out. Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to hold them back. All right. Yeah. So, um, what else is happening in this country? We had the what is that? The third GOP debate. Yeah, I guess you watched it. Oh yeah, I always do. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't stand it. I yeah. love to see. I could see it now. It's a you know a, a HBO or Netflix series with uh, Auntie Nikki Haley and naughty nephew Vivek. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I would watch that, you know, uh, on a weekly basis just to see her take the slipper to him. And, uh, you know, the other ones are sort of entertaining. <laughs> it was funny to see DeSantis trying to walk off the stage <laughs> in his giant heels. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that was funny because they were uh, Vivek and uh, Nikki Haley were fighting about high heels. Yes. And DeSantis is standing between them like, ooh, yeah. ooh you know, like I hope the... he doesn't mean me. Right, getting a little self-conscious, you know. And then uh, we have uh, all of the independent or whatever green and you know candidates. We got Jill Stein. We got Manchin, uh, possibly you know considering a run. Yeah, well, supposedly the it's going to be some kind of Manchin Romney thing. Sure. Uh, you know, hey, why two not? old white guys? Uh, very, very, uh, you know, very good pick. Right. Well, a lot of Democrats hate Manchin and most Republicans hate Romney. So yeah. it seems like the ideal ticket for the, uh, the no labels people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No labels and no voters. Yeah, exactly. No, no votes. Um, let's see. What else did we have? We had uh, late breaking news that the FBI separated Mayor Adams of New York from his security detail. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. That's a bad thing. to What have do you happen. think that is? It, it reminds me of it was an, like an old Jimmy Breslin line. He said every he was writing about these guys and he said uh, everything was going good around the body and fender shop until the guys in the FBI windbreaker showed up. Oops. You know? and it's like whenever the FBI shows up, it's always bad news. But right. yeah, when they uh, 
when they told his security detail to step away. Yeah. That must have been something. Yep. So, uh, and what they think it's about, you know, fake campaign contributions. Or something. There was a lot, for some reason, there was a lot of money coming from Turkey. Right. To his campaign. Right. And I, I have no idea why. I don't know what the Turkish oh, well, it's, government so it's, was going to get out of that. So wouldn't it probably be so that the, you know, whenever the president of Turkey visits New York, his, uh, his security can beat up protesters. Uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that actually is not a bad guess, yeah. but uh, it, it's the strangest thing anyway. Yeah. There was all this money coming through his campaign. So, uh, you know, they, they must, they must have something because they had enough probable cause to take his phone. Right. And, you know, for the FBI to, to do that, it means that they're, you know, and, they have enough other you know, stuff. He's going to, you know what they're going to find on there? I don't even want to think about it. They're going to find texts from Mindy, uh, Senator Scott's girlfriend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Yeah, that was an interesting casting choice, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, she might. Yeah. Everybody's saying she probably comes from that same modeling agency that Bobert comes from. Oh, my God. Yeah. What is it like the, the discount escort service? Yeah, whatever. And then we got uh, the um, uh, the new speaker of the House is trying to, you know, pass something that that will keep the government open, or maybe he's no, he's not really trying doing to shut it down. He's in Paris right now. Ah. There's some convention of right wingers in Paris, and mm -hmm. he's there. So uh, he see he's another one of these guys who has never governed. I mean, he's right. never. So he really has no idea what to do. I mean, he's, but he he's does just, have advisors, whether it's uh, McCarthy or Scalise or Emmer. I mean, they, they have to know they have to say to him, you know, do you want to shut this thing down or do you want to keep it open? Just pick A or B. And then, you know, depending what his answer is, they can tell him what he has to do to do that or not. do. I, I, I suppose. I mean, I, you know, my thought all along is that they just want to shut down the government to cause chaos with what, what they want to do is tank the economy and then they can blame it on Joe Biden. Gotcha. So. You know, all right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Now we have a, we used to have a, a segment called insurrection week. And I was thinking maybe we should just call it trials of Trump, but I did see a couple of insurrection related news items today. Did you see those? Uh, yeah, there was a guy in New Jersey. They were hunting in the woods. Oh, right. And they got him. Yeah. And um, I think there's a, there's a new case too. One of the January six people was, was conspiring to kill an FBI agent. Oh yes. Yeah. So that that's new. I haven't really read up on that yet. But most and, of uh, the action is on the Trump trials. Right. Right. So and, we uh, had, uh, let's see, we have Eileen Cannon, uh, who everybody, I guess Trump uh, put up a truth social post saying she would make an excellent Supreme Court justice. Well, suppose no, that was a hoax, I think. Oh, okay, good. But um, it, the weird thing about, well, here's all people have to think about. Uh, over the years, Trump has insulted just about everybody. Right. Uh, the only person he never insulted was Vladimir Putin. Ooh. Uh, Vladimir Putin now has someone else in, in that category, that lofty category. Yeah. Uh, Trump has never said anything derogatory about Judge Cannon. Ah. 
So that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, okay. she, she's definitely with the program. Yeah. And uh, she keeps she keeps pushing back the dates on when these motions have to be done by the lawyers. Right. And experienced lawyers keep saying there's absolutely no reason to be giving people this much time. What right. she's doing is pushing back the motions a little here, a little there, a little here, three weeks there, whatever. And then eventually she'll say, oh, we can't have this trial until like, you know, 2035 right. or something. Yeah. So, I mean, that's so, her, her long-term game. All yeah. right. But in the meantime, she set, kept her date, the May date or whatever it was. And right. Then but there she, was... she's got all these motions that are going to come right before then. So then she's going to say, oh, no, oh, we got to move the trial. I mean, right. I mean, you can bet everything on that. Uh, I won't. Uh, I might bet five bucks. Okay. okay um and then uh, the Angoron trial, right, where uh, uh, that's the uh, fraud case in New York, and uh, they tried for a directed verdict, and he Angoron said no, but I'll can you know take it under advisement or something. Right. Uh, what else did we have? Trump was on trial in Colorado. Uh, wait a minute, I think in Minnesota they said that they couldn't keep him off the ballot there, right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Minnesota said he could be on the ballot. the the the, the trial in Colorado. I guess uh, there's no resolution yet. Okay. Um, but they they um, I think the judge has to rule on it or something like that. It, it's about the Fourteenth Amendment. You see that that's we've talked about that before. It, sure. If you read the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, you read the language in it, you could say, yeah, okay, sure, that applies. But the the problem is there's no way to enforce it. And uh, it it seems that when they wrote it, they, you know, they either just let that part of it go or they assumed at some point there would be some mechanism put in to enforce it. But that's never really happened. So and you have uh, Lawrence Tribe and Judge Ludig uh, saying it's like self-executing and, uh, uh, you know, they're saying that it's it's clear that he he does deserve to be disqualified under that and you know they argue back and forth about different uh phrases in the in the amendment and all and all i keep posting is his uh we love you you're very special by itself is uh uh comfort aid and comfort to the uh to the enemies of the constitution right yeah yeah there you go so that's that's it we love you we love you. You're very special. You just attacked the Capitol and, uh, you know, threatened the vice president and the members of Congress. But we love you. You're very special. So I would I would say that that's an open and shut. All right. We go to who's the media. Do you have any better uh, suggestions for this? Um. Uh... Not, not really. No. no, no, no. You, you were, you were. Well, I, I haven't checked this out yet. The, yeah, I was mesmerized by this uh, Chat GPT. Oh, OpenAI, that's the company that developed Chat GPT. Right. And they had their first Dev Day. You know, like their first uh, introduction presentation of new products. Right. Like, like what Steve Jobs used to do. And right, like, right. You know, Google what, still does that. Apple yeah, does. Exactly. Right. So, so the uh, CEO of this, Sam Altman, uh, he's a young guy. Uh, I would say he's pretty um, appealing. They also they say he's like also somewhat uh, autistic, like some of the other ones, like Elon, 
and uh you know maybe uh steve jobs might have been a little bit on the spectrum um but he seemed to be much more likable than any of those guys and he walked through what they've been up to for the last you know few months or last year and it's just mind-blowing to me um you know i've gotten involved i like to fool around with all the new technology so uh i try to apply it to you know news or publishing or journalism or something like that but um what they were announcing was uh amazing in terms of uh integrating with all these other apps so there was a demonstration about how you could uh you know ask it where to where what uh, cities should i visit in europe and it'll tell you and then you can you know uh, ask it to book something for you so it's going to move toward agents uh, becoming, you know, these um, intelligent agents. And we've been hearing about that for a long time, but they were actually demonstrating now how it was going to work. And it didn't seem too far off. The problem for me is that you're going to have to give, you know, permission to access everything that you have, you know, your Gmail, your, uh, you know, whatever, your calendars, <laughs> you know, right. every, if, if you wanted to do everything for you, you're going to have to allow it to access everything. And I wouldn't do that personally. I don't know about you. Uh, no, no way. No. Right. First of all, I wouldn't trust anything it did anyhow. Right. Right. So, you know, have you played with it at all? Chat GPT or. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, it's, it's this weird thing where there's all these people out there who think somehow like chat gpt writers are like the the wave of the future or they're gonna they're gonna have stuff written by chat gpt and then they're just gonna have like some human somewhere correct it and it it's sort of like the dumbest idea going because <laughs> you know like it, it's easier to just write something than to have a machine do a you know a, a botched up version of it and then have to go and correct it i mean mm. Well, when was the last time you played with it? Uh, oh, I don't know. A week Months or two ago. ago. Oh, no. a week or two. No, yeah, I asked it. To I think do, I. Yeah. I asked it to do something. I. I um. Hold on. Let me see if I can open it up here. I don't even remember what I was. But while you're looking for that, I mean, I think that uh, the idea is that it is going to do a lot of the, you know, the the first drafting of things. And actually, you reminded me, I was on. Um, uh, two successive uh, weeks of uh, webinars or Zoom calls where the Associated Press is developing a lot of uh, implementations of AI, but it's for the, you know, for the, for the news gathering side of things. It's like, uh, uh, it's not, they're not letting it write AP articles or bulletins, but for example, they were talking about how they're getting it to, you know, take uh, uh, new uh, police blotter, you know, information, um, and what else, uh, you know, to sort of summarize sports results, and you know, to automate some of these things where. And of course, you know, somebody has to make sure that it's correct. The information is, is correct, but, um, you know, that it could basically, oh, and I know minutes from public um, hearings, you know, where, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, things like that. So, I mean, I could, if you're interested, I could send you a link to show you what the AP is doing. Uh, but, every, you know, the idea is that everybody's going to be using these to do some of the basic 
you know, uh, whatever summarizing or just grabbing things and pasting them together and then having, you know, human journalists or editors or whoever, you know, marketers, then we'll take it from there. It's just like the, you know, the, the baseline first draft. Yeah. I, I, I understand what they're doing. I'm still skeptical of it just because like, if you give me the minutes of a city council meeting, right. And I have, um, well, actually you're a better candidate for this because you used to do this kind of stuff on Staten Island. If, if you, had the minutes of some meeting on Staten Island, you could scan it. And because you're familiar with what's going on, you could pull out the thing that's important and then spin up, you know, you could call people and write a story about that. Whereas a machine might be able to somehow organize that stuff in a table or something like that. But, uh, you know, it could create a web page where everything is in its own little cell or, you know, something along those lines. But, it doesn't have the human intelligence or judgment to uh, to assess what's sure. important and what isn't. So, right, but it's but it's learning those things. In other words, yeah, but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical. Oh, I know. Gonna get you, there. you know, you could. You know, you're you're always uh, much more skeptical about the <laughs> new technology than I am. I'm always just you know fascinated by what you can do with it, knowing that you know uh, you know the New York Times got my title wrong in their article i mean you know in other words uh, you know every everybody makes mistakes right um, well we, we right you and i were both fact checkers that's what we did yes. was fix mistakes right right so. but i mean a lot of it still gets in even before there was all this technology a lot of mistakes got into the newspapers you know the times would have a correction section every day right so so uh well you know, that was one of the things i always looked for oh of course paper. of course I mean, that it was, was always fun. you know so uh we're going to skip the game this week and then hit list or shit list i mean i can talk about you know uh stuff on um you know i saw the season finale of the morning show and uh there's some other things that i could talk about but uh did you want to talk about this book you got uh well we could hold off on that i'm, I'm sort of uh you're still having... perusing yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I've been so busy this week that I haven't really had All much right, of good. a chance to do anything. So anything let's... that I'm not getting paid for, I haven't really had much chance okay. to do this Okay, well, that's, I'm glad to hear that. So... Yeah, well, I'm glad too, but it's... Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I can... Yeah, so on hit list or shit list, I can talk about... Um, do, do you know about this show on Apple TV, The Morning Show? Right? Yeah, I haven't seen it. That's a Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, is Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon and uh, a lot of other, uh, I guess, you know, notable actors and actresses in there as supporting roles. And uh, I think this was the what was the season three, maybe I think it was season three. And, um, you know, I resisted getting involved with apple tv to begin with but then i bought a new computer and they gave me a month free on the apple tv so um i guess we looked around and we saw that uh, this morning show was uh, one of the if not the most popular uh series on apple tv we started watching it and we kind of got hooked so anyway um you know it's uh basically a television uh like a network tv morning program and uh, Jennifer Aniston is the anchor, one of the anchors. And she ends up bringing in uh, Reese Witherspoon as kind of her junior colleague. 
and it follows all their you know uh, trials and tribulations and then this season uh, they introduced an Elon Musk-like character uh, played by John Hamm. So, of course, all the ladies were swooning. And um, he is a, uh, uh, he owns a, uh, an aerospace company and he's, you know, working on a, a program with NASA and doing test launches. And so they end up getting Reese Witherspoon to go up in one of the test launches which was kind of an exciting um, episode. And then subsequent to that, uh, he decides to try to take over, to, to buy out the uh, network that the show is, is on, that this morning show is on, the whole network. And uh, they find out that he's got uh, ulterior motives, et cetera, et cetera. Jennifer Aniston ends up in a relationship with him, a steamy relationship. And then everything kind of uh, blows up, no pun intended, uh, at the end. So uh, I think it was, you know, in every episode has parts that are really, really good and parts that are really, really ridiculous. Uh, and Brian Stelter, you know, the guy that exits. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. He's an advisor on the series. And so, you know, I always go into the comments and I say, I blame everything that's ridiculous on him. There so, you go. yeah, because he's the he's the consultant to the show. So um, uh, anyway, they had their uh, season finale the other night and it was very emotional and people were, you know, saying, are they going to come back for a fourth season? And they kind of left that open. When you mentioned John Hamm, and I knew Jennifer Aniston was on the show, yep. it reminded me of, um, there's a wonderful book by John Gregory Dunn, who was uh, the husband of Joan Didion. Right. And they had worked on a screenplay for years uh, that, that it was originally supposed to be based on uh, the newscaster, Jessica Savage, but oh. every draft of the screenplay became different. And it finally wound up being a terrible movie with uh, Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. But at uh, one point, at one point, John Gregory Dunn was in this producer's office and he's so frustrated because they keep doing all these drafts of the screenplay and it keeps getting sent back and everything. So he finally says to the guy, what just you tell me, please tell me, what is this movie about? <laughs> and the producer looks at him, he says, it's a movie about two movie stars. Wow. And John Gregory Dunn said then the, 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 he got it. He said, that's Hollywood. There it is. If you, yeah. can, get, if you can get two stars together, you got so a movie. Maybe you can just feed that into chat GPT. Uh, someone probably already has. Maybe that's how they wrote the episode. But as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as you mentioned that uh, Jennifer Don, Don Draper and Rachel from Friends it yes. wound up in the same universe, I thought, yeah. oh, boy, there must have been... Uh, Yes, that must have been everyone's dream. Yeah, so, it boost uh, it definitely gave a boost to the rating. Speaking of, so so of course, once that finale was over, I was like, you know what? I never watched Friends. I'm gonna go, you know, go back and watch the first episode of Friends. Uh, so I started watching that, and it turned out, unbeknownst to me, that the place where the Friends lived was on, uh, I think it was Grove and Bedford. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And then I looked at the map and Chumley's was just down the street. Yeah. So. Um, 
Bedford and Barrow, I think, was Chumley's. You know? Yes, that's right. So, uh, you know, that got me back into a, a reverie about uh, Chumley's, which somebody I, I know that it was closed for a long time because the because the bricks, the walls were falling down. And then I thought somebody renovated it and reopened it. And I went in there with my daughter to show her, you know, this crazy little place at the end of, a, of an alley. And then somebody said they thought it was closed again. But I don't know. Well, well next time I'm in New York, I'll have to see. The, the last I really heard about it was, yeah, it had had some kind of a collapse. Yeah. And uh, they had salvaged wood from it. And some guy was making guitars out of the wood. <laughs> I remember reading that somewhere. So, uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the last times I've been in New York, I never. Uh, you never went I, down there. Yeah, I never went for no particular reason. Although I, I do, I do know the place. I do remember it. Now I just called it up, you know, on Google, and it says permanently closed. Um, but oh, it says closed for good in 2020. Okay, well that yeah, so that makes sense. That has yeah. to that has to be the final word on it until I find out otherwise. But but we did get to sneak in there maybe in 2019 or 2018, and uh, you know it was it was just the way that I had remembered. Well, it was little a little different. They kind of made the tables nicer and so on and so forth. But I mean, this was the same space and the same bar. Yeah. Well, what I places actually... did you, you, you used to hang out at the grass roots. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. I remember the grass roots. Was that your um, favorite place? It, that, that was a common place to go. It was a, it was a good place to meet people because it was uh, anybody could find it. Right. Um, it was on eighth street. Well, well, no, the grassroots was on uh, St. Mark's Place. Oh, St. Mark's Place, yeah. Right, across from the bookstore. Yes. And, um, and then uh, McSorley's, which was like around the corner from it. Yep. Um, there was I was a place, just in there. Yeah, there was a place called the Cedar Tavern on University yes. Place. Right. Um, which wasn't the original location when all of the artists used to hang out. That's right. Yeah. The original location in our era was where the bookstore was. It was like a Brentano's on the corner. That's mm -hmm. where the original one would have been. Right. Where, you know, Ginsburg would have been there and Dylan and. Uh, now the grassroots is also permanently closed. Oh, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I, yeah, I know a lot but of stories. Is I know a lot of stories about the grassroots. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a play. And, of course, um, I was thinking lately about the Second Avenue Deli. Yeah, uh, I guess that closed too, right? Well, no, it moved. It was at Second oh. Avenue and Tenth Street, right? Um, moved uptown. Yeah, it moved uptown, and uh, but that that was a uh, that was a great place. I I was thinking about it because there was this incident recently where uh, people were afraid to go to the kosher cafeteria at Cornell, right? And it reminded me, a, a good friend of mine in college ate in the kosher cafeteria oh. at NYU. Mm -hmm. And we never really, I, well, I think I, I ate there once or twice, but um, it like wasn't on my meal plan. Like, right. I had to, like I had to pay, you know, like, a, you know, I had to pay if I ate there. So right. we might as well go somewhere else if I, yep. you know, if we decide to have a meal together. And because he was kosher, we would go to Second Avenue Deli. So, uh you know, every, you know, every other week or something, this guy and I would go to second Avenue deli. And then, 
I remember taking some young ladies there. They uh, they liked it, and uh, it was it was a fun place to go to, you know. Uh huh. And did 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 they moan when they were eating the, uh, you know, the food there? And then the older lady at the next table says, "I'll have what she's having." No, no, no. That that was before we even got there. But that's okay. another story. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave that for a future episode. I mean, hey, wow, that's yeah. definitely worth uh, coming back next week. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of stories about Maybe bars and restaurants. A, a, yeah. a throwbacks, you know, New York uh, memories uh, episode. What do you think of that? I, yeah, you know, it it's kind of sad because when I've been there in the modern era, like I'll I'll think, oh, there's a great diner on that corner, and I get there, and it's like something else, you know, and like yep. everything is just gone. You know, we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Uh, things change. All right. Well, until then, take care. Okay. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.